Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during our school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Today's episode focuses on a student-led research study regarding the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on older students. Since the start of the 2020 school year, COVID has interrupted the education of K-12 students and forced educators to address the situation they were totally unprepared for. In an attempt to ensure student safety, many districts transitioned to an online instruction or a hybrid of online and in-person instruction for the remainder of the 2020 school year. This situation altered the routine of students and brought to the forefront the severe differences of resources available for students from different economic classes. Since the pandemic began and up until now, we often hear the opinions of parents and educators regarding the impact COVID had had on their lives, but seldom do we hear from students. However, to gain a better understanding of how COVID impacted the lives of students in Texas, the Intercultural Development Research Association, better known as IDRA, collaborated with the Seek Common Ground organization to work with high school and college students. The student researchers collected information from peers concerning the impact COVID-19 has had on their peers during the pandemic. The purpose of the study was to determine if COVID worsened or changed the challenges students faced in their schools. To provide information about this research and the results of the study are today's guests, Anna Ramon and Christine Yost. Mm-hmm. Anna is Audra's Deputy Director for Advocacy. Christina is a research analyst with IDRA. Good day, ladies. How are y'all doing today? Good morning. We're doing well and excited to be here with you and to talk more about uh, this really important report and the findings from the students. Yes, thank you for having us. I really appreciate y'all taking some time. Uh, For our listeners who are not familiar with IDRA, can you give us some information regarding the organization? Of course. So IDRA began in 1973. It was based on the belief that it's not possible to have excellent equitable schools without an excellent equitable system for funding for schools. Since then, IDRA has broadened its scope to include other issues related to excellence and equity in education. And that includes obviously for funding, but ending harmful discipline to create safer schools, growing and sustaining healthy school districts, keeping public and public education, ensuring that there's educational opportunities for emergent bilingual students and preparing all students to succeed in college. And we're really excited to be here to also talk about how IDRA wants to work on strengthening and transforming public schools to provide dynamic uh, training, useful research, evaluation, and frameworks for action. That include timely policy analysis and innovative materials and programming. So my first question is, who idea was it to use students to gather information regarding the experiences of their peers during the COVID pandemic? Well, you know, during the summer and the fall of 2020, uh, we realized that not only is there these ongoing existing concerns within our school districts, as we laid out, that COVID was having a severe impact on the day-to-day activities of our students and seeing that and hearing that from student groups that we work with, but also from educators and advocacy organizations and groups. And we knew that if we were going to try to get the best understanding and hone in on what was happening in our school districts, we really needed to have students lead and help share their lived experiences in developing a strong survey 
an opportunity to learn what's going on literally in the classroom. So at IDRA, one of our primary goals and part of our strategic plan is to make sure that we center students in our research and our activities as an organization. And we decided that we wanted to pay student organizers and pay student researchers to help us acquire information that was going on in the district to understand not only about, as mentioned, the existing issues prior to COVID, but how COVID was then impacting. So we reached out to some students that we had already been working with and lo and behold, they loved the idea and we were really, really uh, lucky that they wanted to participate. And so after that, we moved on and we were able to acquire some funding for what we call a participatory action research project. Participatory action research is really built around the tenant of those who decide policy or research policy are those that should be centered in the efforts and the actual research. So everything from top to bottom, every decision that was made and what was going to be in the survey and even how it was analyzed and I know we'll have some opportunities to talk about that later was driven by the student team and we were lucky to have Jacqueline Campos, Monica Cruz, Alejo Peña Soto and Fatima Razul all uh, participate as student researchers. Three were from high school, um, two seniors, one, one junior and one was a a freshman uh, going through college in, a, in her first year starting off in a global pandemic. So not easy, but we were so lucky to work with them and they helped us not only develop, distribute, but also analyze the survey results and then um, really guide some of the policy recommendations that we made afterwards. Well, I think it's a great idea to use students. Um, sometimes peer-to-peer -peer discussion, uh, the, the uh, participants are a little bit more honest as opposed to when an adult is questioning them. Sometimes they may respond in a way in which they think the adult might want to hear. And then also the experience and, you know, just conducting and doing research definitely is going to help the, the students, researchers, uh, as they go through their post-secondary education. So I think it's just a great idea and it sounds like a uh, a worthy, a worthy project. Um, what type of support did you have to give the students regarding doing this type of research and developing a survey? Yeah, I can offer some uh, insight on that. So, um, you know, as Anna mentioned, the students were really steering the ship throughout this entire process. Um, so in that, um, I think in general, the IDRA staff um, is full of experts where it comes to policy work, advocate work, um, community engagement, um, and other research um, experts as well. And so as students were trying to develop their um, research in terms of building out their survey, um, in terms of how they wanted to analyze the data, um, really our staff provided expertise in all those different areas um, through training sessions uh, with the team and really just having some really honest conversations about where they wanted to um, focus their research interests um, and what their survey wanted to, to capture uh, when it came to, um, you know, who was going to be, came, coming down to like who was going to be um, their population of interest. So we talked a lot about how we could design their survey um, to really capture some of the ideas that they were interested about. Um, so actually during that time um, where they were trying to um, work on item construction for their survey, I was a, an intern uh, with the research evaluation team. So a little bit different from my position now, I was still in the learning process. And so to them, I was a, a near peer expert in terms of, um, you know, 
having some training that was provided to them. So a part of the process to get them to a place where we could analyze the data and offer some policy recommendations um, related to the data and what it was showing um, was really getting into, uh, you know, what does it mean to, to sample a population? What does it mean to uh, construct items that are psychometrically sound and really capturing the the constructs of interest, um, you know, related to what they were really wanting to uncover. And so that was part of my um, my job um, working with the students was getting in there, giving them some uh, some statistics training, some preliminary um, uh, understanding of you know what it means to do survey research and how do we do that well. Um, because I think that was the goal was to try to um, get these students in in a position where they were really leading the research. They just needed a little bit more. Um, you know, support when it came to understanding the really intricacies of, of doing research um, in, in more specifically survey research. Um, but in general, the whole IDRA staff um, really provided the support necessary for them to for them to, to really engage in the research the way that they wanted to. During research, especially last year, when there were so many different issues going on simultaneously uh, and how people responded to the COVID situation. What were the categories that the students uh, focused on to decide what should be the survey questions? Definitely. So the students were very cognizant of, of trying to capture um, that data, particularly, um, you know, students' educational experience during during COVID, but also it was interesting. The students really wanted to look at the experience in their schools prior to the pandemic. And so this meant looking at things like school discipline, you know, education equity as it looked before COVID. Um, but they also, again, wanted to respond directly to some of the inequities they were seeing that really stemmed from COVID. Um, so that included home stressors, you know, at-home learning challenges, mental health issues that students were grappling with, you know, during the pandemic. So really the students focused on those, those categories. So education equity, home stressors, at-home learning, and mental health. Uh, and how many surveys did they collect? Sure, so the students interviewed um, about 120 of their peers. Can you share some of the key findings of the research? So some of the key findings that uh, the students and our team put together, and we go into additional detail, is um, unfortunately three out of four students reported struggling with mental health issues. And there was also subsequent questions that pointed to COVID as exasperating mental health concerns. So one of the quotes that we received from the students um, that were, one of the students that was interviewed was, my lowest low has come. I'm struggling to come out of it and I'm trying to make my teachers and my guardians understand my situation. Unfortunately, when we got the results of the surveys, the one uh, topic that was probably interacted with the most was about mental health. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think we got as far as we needed to this last legislative session. I'll put that little plug in uh, for those supports that are needed, especially as this is going to be an ongoing issue as health, you know, mental awareness and health isn't something that will just miraculously go away, right? So these are students who are dealing not only with their day-to-day -day lives and the home stressors as the students research, but also uh, now this continuing issue of COVID. Another finding was that students, as mentioned, carrying additional burdens, including poor internet connectivity, social isolation, and insufficient opportunities to take mental and physical breaks from classes due to learning virtually. So again, this was a difficult time for everyone, and it, it was a learning process, but that was something that 
was also mentioned, we have some additional details on, is that students felt as if their workload actually increased because of COVID-19 and being in the virtual environment. And that makes sense, right? Like I think TA was trying to set up this virtual learning and ISDs were having to go through this massive undertaking in a very short amount of time. And it's only natural for things like this to occur without really understanding like what's going on in the classroom level and hearing from the students. And then another key finding was that students face pressure to maintain their education while also managing responsibilities like assisting their families, holding jobs and dealing with healthcare needs outside of the classroom. I know we heard from several students about family members actually being in the hospital um, or being sick. And that was also something that was uh, really of concern. So as I mentioned, um, the exact numbers, for example, 75% of students reported having struggled with mental health wellness issues. And there's some very compelling and concerning um, quotes that came out of that. And then uh, again, those burdens due to virtual learning. So there was more at home stress. So 71.4 of the respondents consider online learning as contributing, as I mentioned, more stress than regular school did and homework during virtual learning. 49.2% of respondents have reported having issues with turning in homework, which was an existing issue, but this was definitely exasperated. And then connectivity and issues of internet concerns was also there. So lots of very um, detailed and really very heartbreaking data, but something that I know was only made and stronger because we were able to ask questions from students, by students, for students. So uh, those were some of the key findings from the survey results. Yeah, there were definitely, or at least there should have been a lot of lessons that educators and people who work in the education field should have learned about their students and as well as, you know, differences in resources and then also the, the social impact of the home life and being aware of or knowing people who possibly may have, you know, suffered because of COVID and what kind of uh, impact that have on students. Hopefully uh, educators will, will keep that in mind. Now, you did mention earlier that there were issues that students had before COVID. Were you able to determine what impact, if any, did COVID have on prior educational issues on the participants? Oh, for sure. I would say mental health was one that was very clear that COVID had a much, um, unfortunately, a great effect on students learning um, and not being able to feel like they're successful. Um, some of the other quotes that we uh, acquired from the students was, I don't really talk to any of my friends anymore. I feel extremely lonely. I have breakdowns more often now and every day, every other day I feel awful about myself. And this was unfortunately across the board. Like I said, there was this, there seemed to be this correlation between COVID and increased mental health concerns. Our results were actually also reflected in CDC survey data that was taken around the same time that 70% of students were really feeling um, some extreme um, concerns around their mental health and wellness. Um, it's interesting, connectivity was also a major concern. So like, and this is an existing problem, right? You have infrastructure concerns as it pertains to the digital access and divide. Many people would like to think that, oh, this is a rural issue, which it is because there's infrastructure concerns there. But the largest population of students who were 
don't have access to the internet was actually Houston ISD, right? You have hundreds of thousands of families who have issues with having stable internet. So connectivity issues and internet concerns, what we saw in the data was 47.5 of respondents report experiencing technology or internet issues. And 79% of said their school district would would or has assisted them in accessing quality internet. So school districts responded, right? But there's still that gap of students. And that's something that I know we, we saw reflected in TEA data as well. Um, I'll, I'll share this quick quote. Uh, the teachers increased workload in, and it is super stress inducing. Sometimes I do not have the proper resources and then I feel shamed by my teachers. In the end, I'm sad. And who knows, like we don't have any understanding of what that actual looked like in the school. Could be the teachers also we know are feeling extremely stressed in that environment. And it's just that continuing like relationships between teachers and students. That was something that was brought up also in, in this is like, how do, you, how do you interact with your teachers and what kind of existing concerns are there? And then just the fact that students um, are pressured in multiple ways, like these students have obligations outside of school. Um, one of the students mentioned, I sometimes get called in earlier than I should into work and that leads me to missing school or the last few periods of school. Another student mentioned, I have family members in the hospital and schoolwork is a stress that is hard to deal with, especially because the increased workload. And then other respondents described how they manage school and home responsibilities or that they only were able to deal with schoolwork. So there was like these existing understandings that students have a very, um, they have a depth of experiences and they have a depth of responsibilities. They're students, they're caregivers, they're, um, you know, sometimes teachers for their own um, younger siblings. And then also sometimes they're, you know, they're breadwinners, they're earning income for the family. So those are some of the things that were mentioned we do also talk through how a lot of the students were concerned about discipline on campus while it wasn't like con completely like COVID related. It was something that not only the student researchers wanted to discuss, but also we got a lot of responses on um, discipline in schools, concerns about discipline, how discipline was going to change after COVID and just how students felt like that was another stressor in their lives. So those are some of the existing things that were unfortunately exasperated by COVID and what we saw in the research data. Sounds like you got a lot of valuable uh, information. Uh, how, how do you plan to use the results of this study? We are, one, really excited that we had this program in general. It's the first time that, in, at least in our recent history, that IDRA has done a participatory action research project run and analyzed and uh, surveyed by students. So we wanna work with other students for students and make sure that that's continuing like a rewarding experience for ourselves as an organization, but also the students that are um, emphasizing and working on the project. I think, and again, the results aside, the work we conduct can serve as a model for what data collection should look like, right? Making sure that individuals who are living the experiences, who have that day-to-day -day understanding of what's going on um, should be a part of what's uh, collected and what impact what impact looks like when we're looking at data and observing collected data. Um, our next phase is to take these results and we want to act upon them, right? We have now a series of recommendations that we've 
built out and have the students review based on our surveys. And we wanna make sure that we're continuing to uplift student voices throughout the process of education policy on every level of power, right? So this could be a local, could be a state, could be national, um, a student bill of rights, you know, bill, for example. Like these are opportunities for that. And I'll just leave with a quote from Alejo Peño Soto, who is one of the student researchers who said, I'm extremely excited to see how the results of our survey help educators and those that influence Texas education make better informed decisions regarding how students and families are treated in schools. It's clear just from this project alone, but in, in general, our um, our collaboration with students that they're poised to do this kind of work. You know, they have the answers. Um, they're curious um, about finding solutions to some of the problems that, uh, you know, their their peers, their families are experiencing, their communities are experiencing. And so, um, you know, I, I hope that this is not the only time we get to see things like this is where students are really in the driver's seat, um, who are wearing the researcher hats and, and really trying to dig deep to understand some of the, the inequities that they're facing, but using that data to really um, craft solutions that respond directly to that. You know, when I'm thinking about some of the preliminary data about student engagement that came out of the um, TEA report in October, um, with 600,000 students being disengaged from their from their schoolwork, this is this is getting to why and understanding the nuances of, of those issues, and that helps with understanding what solutions should look like. But as I mentioned before, it's clear that students should be in these conversations um, and they must in order for us to really understand um, what solutions are going to be sustainable moving forward. And I, I, and I know there's a bigger push to try to engage youth and, you know, give youth a voice. And I think as, you know, policymakers look at educational reform and looking at ways in which we can actually um, give students projects that they can learn by doing, this definitely fits that model. Uh, and I think for the student, a lot of times, you know, they, they may ask, why, why am I doing this? They may feel disconnected from uh, some of the academic work that they're doing, but, you know, conducting research, talking to their peers, collecting data, all of those things cross so many different uh, components in education. So, uh, and it's useful. And I think the kids feel like, you know, what they're doing has some purpose to it. And that, you know, hopefully policymakers will, uh, you know, look at the results and uh, enact some things that could offset some of the deficits that some of these kids experienced during this COVID period. So again, I want to applaud you guys for, for doing this. If people want to get more information regarding uh, DRA and some of the projects you're working on, what's the best way for them to do that? We would love for them to go to our website, idra.org, or follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and I think we might even be on Instagram now. We're trying to trying to reach and, and be better about meeting our communities where they're at. So please find us online, and then uh, you're more than welcome to reach out to myself or Christina. Uh, my email is ana.ramon at idra.org. And mine is Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A dot Munoz, M-U-N-O-Z at I-D-R-A dot org. Uh, before we go, do you have any final comments? Yes, it's clear that students struggle with the effects of emerging mental health and wellness and stress from remote learning. Uh, and this would not have been possible in like learning in depth 
uh, all of these different issues that uh, are existing and now exasperated by COVID without the student researchers. So we just want to give huge, huge thank you and props to this amazing group of students who have now created a model for us um, and hopefully something that we continue just to grow at IDRA. And as Christina mentioned, we really hope it's something that uh, others will look at as potential models when building out policy recommendations and opportunities to change uh, the levers of power in Texas. Well, Anna and Christina, thank you so much for being my guest on the Making Our School Crew podcast. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us and always happy to be back. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity. I think this was a really awesome conversation. Making After School Cool. And as always, I want to thank our listeners for joining us for our topic focused on student-led research studies regarding the impact COVID has had on older students. Please join us for future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.